Hi, this is Bishop E. James Logan, Senior Pastor of Christian Faith Fellowship Church in Zion, Illinois. Welcome to our podcast. I pray you'll be blessed by a fresh word from God every time you tune in. Hands lifted all over the building. Hands lifted. Hands lifted. The song says, be praised. Be magnified, be glorified. Since we were created in the image and likeness of our God, the Imago Dei. You carry his DNA inside of you. We were created to bring glory and honor to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And when we worship, what we do is we make God's name great. When we praise, we make God's name greater. When we praise, we, we shift our focus from our problems and, and our jobs and the rough week we had and our children acting up and the bills that are due and the things that are going through in your body and the bad doctor's report that you got and some things that you may be wanting and inflation and gas prices. When we worship, when we praise, we shift our focus from the things that we deal with to, to the all-knowing, all-sufficient, all-powerful God who is in control of everything. And that's why it's so important for us to praise and worship because we shouldn't have to pump and prime you celebrate a God who woke you up this morning that's why it says and let there never be a day that I don't rise to bring you praise because the song says I won't let a rock cry out for me God will command an inanimate object to cry out for him if you won't and I don't want to be an ungrateful child I don't want God to have to raise up somebody else I don't want to hold all of these gifts, all of these talents, all of these abilities for God to just raise somebody else up because I decided that I wasn't going to open up my mouth. You can use anything, Lord, you can use me. You can use anything, Lord, you can use me. If you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. If you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. One more time, sing. If you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. If you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. If you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. Last time, if you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. I won't let a rock cry out for me. I won't let something that wasn't created to worship God, worship him. Even though that we know 
He created the heavens and the earth. And even though you may not be able to see God with your natural eyes, the Bible says uh, uh, power is given to the one who believes and does not see. I know he's real because even though I haven't seen him, I felt him. I remember I was 16, 17 years old and we went on a mission trip to Mexico. And people that don't even speak English, people that didn't speak my language, they knew when we began to proclaim the name of Jesus that they could be healed. I talk about this all the time, expectation. They say expectation is the breeding ground for miracles. Why do they say that? Because Jesus would always go to desolate places into the wilderness and people would follow him there because they knew if we could just get in his presence, I know he can do something for me. I'm about to fuss for a little while and this is why it's so important and imperative that we come back to the body. We come back to the building, the ecclesia of the church. Because when you get around your other brothers and sisters, you may not be expecting much, but when you see somebody dancing on the front, when you see somebody take off running, when you see somebody shouting and praising God, when you see somebody shabaking, when you see somebody else and you see their expectation, it might do something in you and it might raise your level of faith. It may cause you to believe if you can do it for them, God, I know you can do it for me. It's not the same when you're at home. You get the word? Sometimes you need to see your brother and sister crying. You need to see that mascara going down the side of their face so you can look at them and say, what is it that they're going through? They really must be after God. She was willing to mess up her perm, girl. That brother sweated out his hairline. He has an expectation from God. We were created to worship, we were created to praise. We were created to bring glory to the one and true living God. We were created to bring praise to the one and true living God. See, we know praise in this form when we go to our favorite sporting event. And it's a close game, and shot clock, says it's about five seconds left and you know Michael Jordan got the ball and you're waiting in expectation as the clock begins to tick down and that shot goes up with two seconds left and the ball is in the air and it seems like all of the world has slowed down to a slow motion Lucas films picture and you're looking at the revolutions of the ball and then you see that swish and immediately your body does something that you didn't ask it to do. Your body begins shouting, you begin to jump, and you're like, we did it, we did it. You hugging folks that ain't played a second in the game. Because someone that you had great expectation for did something that you expected them to do. And we jump and shout, and we praise and we worship our favorite players and our favorite teams and our favorite celebrities, but we come in God's house with our resting church face. I'm going there today. We got to be pumped and primed, and if we don't play your favorite song, you're going to sit there with your arms crossed and arms folded. 
when worship is the definition of worship is ones who were created worshiping a deity when they begin to remember all of the things that that deity did for them so we should never have to pump and prime you because you should be like my god i remember when i was jacked up and god you came and rescued me out of a horrible pit I remember when I was strung out and God, you came in the crack house and you, you took me from the crack house. I remember when I was a whoremonger and I was sleeping around. God, you met me after I finished having sex and you said, son, there's better for you. Daughter, there's more for you. He wasn't afraid. He wasn't ashamed to come and meet you at your place. But we come in God's house and we, this ain't my song. They ain't singing my song. We don't play the click track here, so we don't we don't bump and shout, and you don't get to do your Holy Ghost two steps. So you say I, that, they don't know how to praise at CFFC. <laughs> praise ain't in you. If you need music to praise, it's not in you. If you need music to praise, if you need 165 BPMs in order for you to give God what is already due, it's not in you, friend. It's not in you, my brother. If you think the anointing is jumping and shouting, I'm afraid you're mistaken. And I'm gonna need you to get into your words so you begin to develop a relationship with the anointed one so you know when his anointing comes upon you what it feels like. Thank you, praise team. Please keep playing, band. In the Old Testament, worship encompassed a variety of activities. It, it meant bringing forward an offering to God. That was worship. So when you give, that's worship. We think worship is a slow song. We think worship is CCM. We think worship is Maverick City. Y'all, they don't worship. All they sing is John P. Key. Bowing down in the presence of God is an outward display of an inner gratitude. It's called worship. You see people come to the altar randomly. Don't think they're super deep. They're making an outward display of an inward gratitude to God. Because they know how messed up they are. And they know there's only one. <laughs> There's only one true and living God who can fix all of the problems they got themselves in. Lifting up, exalting God with praise. These provide a rich image of worship. So people who both bow before God and lift him up and praise and worship they cry out in the beauty of holiness. God, you're worthy. God, you're awesome. That's worship. When you're driving in your car, you listening to that song that tears you up. That's worship. When you pull over, you, you got you to gotta gather yourself before you go into your job so they don't think you're crazy. That's worship. My dad used to do something in the house and I, I, you know, growing up as a teenager, I'd come inside from playing basketball and 
He may have been in the shower. He may have been in the bathroom. He may have been in his office. Or he may have been watching an old Western. And he just, thank you, Jesus. And I'd be like, Dad, why are you doing that? Because I'm saying this in my head. What are you doing? And he would just do it all throughout the day. Mom, she laughed because she knows it's the truth. Thank you, Jesus. He, he, my dad got these hands, man. They just, when he clapped, demons tremble. And he would begin to clap and he would begin to praise God. And it wasn't until I got older and I, I went through a few things that I got myself into that I began to do that walking around my house. God, you're worthy. Song says, when I begin to think of all he's done and all the battles he brought me over, I, I begin to walk throughout my house. My, my God, thank you. Thank you, Jesus. And my dad would sometimes break out into tongues, and I'd be like, what is he saying? Until I got filled. And I may have been listening to the radio about the golf broadcast or the basketball broadcast, and I, just a memory came in my mind. I began to, I began to speak in tongues because I began to, I began to edify myself. I began to lift up the name of Jesus. I don't know exactly what I'm saying, but heaven knows I'm, I'm praising, I'm worshiping, I'm recognizing that I didn't get here on my own. The verb halal. I remember growing up in church, they would say, hallelujah is the highest praise. Well, maybe not, but halal is the designation of the act of celebrating God. And, and anytime you see the word Yah or A-H at the end of someone's name, it, it means in worship to Yahweh. So Jeremiah, Micah, Rebecca, Elijah. These are names that are, are realizing whatever the prefix is, I owe this to God. I was created to worship Yahweh, Yah, Elijah, Yah, Yahweh. Deborah Rock, come on, come on, mama. Y'all better read your Bible. Deborah was a powerful woman of God. She was a prophet in the Lord's house. You go read Judges and, and educate yourself on who my mama is. I'm preaching already. We almost done. Halal, celebrate. Yah. Celebrate God. Praise Yahweh. So when you say hallelujah, we're saying we praise Yahweh. We are lifting up our praise to, to God, to the way maker, Yahweh, Jehovah, Jireh, my provider, Jehovah, Nisi, Jehovah, Shikanu. Worship could also be described as serving. Some of y'all say, well, I, Pastor Cam, I don't have the best voice, but can you serve? Can you serve? Can you serve in, in children's ministry? Can you serve in the media team, sound team? Can you, can you be an usher? Can you be a greeter? Can you smile when people walk in the building? That's all the greeter is. We just need you to smile. Whether you got all your teeth or you missing a few. We just had the joy of the Lord. Amen. Can you serve? It's a ritual of, of life, of devotion, emblematic, 
my whole life given over to God. And here's what worship does. You can have your seats if you want to. Here's what worship does. Worship, I said it already, it shifts your focus. Worship shifts your focus. We're so caught up in our stuff, in our, in our problems, in our worries. Remember the song says, when I start to tell God about my problems, he'll work it out for who? For me. A lot of you are trying to solve issues and problems that you got yourself into. And you keep trying to read self-help books. Self-help for stuff that you cause yourself? I'm not going to be too mean. I'm just... If I'm stepping on your toes, just curl them up. Should have wore steel toes today. When you shift your focus, worship causes you to shift your focus to God. Worship will cause you to stop thinking about your issues and your problems. Worship will cause you to start thinking about what God has done for you previously. Worship makes our problems smaller and makes our God bigger. If you're taking notes, that, that'll be a good one. That'll be, that'll be a good tweet, Facebook post. I want my credit, though. When we worship, when we worship God, we make our problems smaller. We make our God bigger. When you begin to shout your child's name because they didn't hear you for the third time, you begin to make their name bigger in the atmosphere of your home. I don't know why parents do this anyway, but they whisper your name the first time because they want you to come instead of saying, huh? I was, anybody was a, that's not proper grammar. Was anybody a, uh-huh? That was me. Mom was all the way downstairs in the family room, in the corner. My room was upstairs, over the garage. And she would, she would call my name softly. And I knew what she wanted. Y'all gonna, gonna laugh. Say, huh? My dad was home. Don't you huh, huh, boy? Yes, ma'am? Cameron! <laughs> She's still not telling me what she wants. Yes, ma'am? Cameron, get your butt down here, boy. Yes, ma'am. <sighs> Give me the remote. <laughs> Give, me, <laughs> Give me the remote. <laughs> hey, I, I understand, you know. But God is calling some of us, and we keep saying, huh? God is trying to get your attention. Like, huh? We don't want to come downstairs and see what God wants. Every time Jesus was about to do something powerful, he had to go to a desolate place, a secluded place. Anytime God used Someone mightily, Moses, they had to go up somewhere. They had to go up into the mount. He had to go get the Ten Commandments. God didn't meet him where he was. He had to go meet God. 
Anytime you're on the brink of something new, God will require you to do something you've never done. God, I, I'm not even, I can't even climb. Them. God, you know I'm out of shape. Now you, now you know I don't, now you know I'm scared of heights. You want me to climb up Mount, what? God will challenge your faith. He will cause all hell to break loose around you in order to get your attention. You don't believe me. You don't believe me. God will do it. But I told you last Sunday, that means that he's near. When all hell begins to break loose in your life, that means he's near. That means the devil, the enemy, is trying to do everything he possibly can within this small window of time that he has left before Jesus gets to you. This is why we have to understand that your worship is a weapon. Your worship is a weapon. I just came to encourage 15 people that, that your worship is a weapon. You have to understand the power and the importance of your worship. Psalm 95 verses 1 through 7. I'll be reading from the English Standard Version. It says, oh, come, let us sing unto the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving and make a joyful noise unto him with psalms. For the Lord is a great God and a great king above all gods. That goes to let me know that, that even though we are we, we, we have a monotheistic approach to the Bible, which means we believe there's only one true and living God. I believe that there are many gods. I'm messing with your theology. I believe there are many gods. That's why it says a great king above all gods, lowercase g. I already told you in that particular time in Near Eastern culture, they had other gods. Now, they would have a physical representation of what they would see manifest. That's why I believe that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities. Y'all know this. Y'all a smart bunch. There are principalities that can be considered gods. And they would make a physical representation of these principalities. And they would worship them. They would even pray to them. But we pray to the one who answers. That'll preach by itself. When we pray, we know he hears us. And he answers. Anybody had any prayers answered? Am I talking to anybody in the room? Y'all looking at me funny? When we pray, he answers. Song says, he may not come when you want him. But he'll be there right on time. Now, on time is not your time. Because there are some times I prayed, I was like, okay, God. Any minute now. And he didn't intervene until the appointed time. 
God's time is not like your time. Lazarus died. That was Jesus' friend. The Bible says, and Jesus wept. That was his boy. Jesus cried. But then he says, now God can get the glory. Now God can get the glory. Some of you are frustrated with God because you're wanting God to let you get the glory. You're waiting for God to give you the answer. If you get the answer from God, directly from God, and you do it yourself, God won't get the glory. Because you say, girl, I figured it out. <laughs> man, I, man, man, did you ever, your homie called you, man, did you ever, man, I, man, I figured it out. Man, I had a, whew, it was an aha moment. Onomatopoeia. No, 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 no. In this next season of your life, God wants to get the glory out of your life. So there are going to be some things that you're going to be frustrated with for a long time until you recognize, you know what, God, if you do this one thing, I'll make sure you get the glory. That's beside the point. He's a great king above all gods. Verse four says in his hand are the deep places of the earth. He got the whole world in his hand. The strength of the hills is his also. The sea is his. Why? Because he made it. And his hands formed the dry land. Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker, for he is our God. And we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. Psalm 96 verse 1 says, Oh, sing unto the Lord a new song. Sing unto the Lord all the earth. Sing unto the Lord a new song. This is what that means. When you're in the shower and you just begin to think about all the things that God has done for you, you begin to say, oh, God, I bless you. Father, I magnify your name in this place. God, I lift you up. I give you glory. That's singing unto the Lord a new song. It's not a song that you were taught in choir rehearsal. It's not a song that we sing here. You just begin to sing a new song unto the Lord. And that is music to his ears because he says they recognize what I've done for them. Father, we love you. Father, we lift your name. That's what we say when we say begin to open up your mouth and give God praise. You don't just sit there and say, oh, bless you, bless you. No, no. You say, Father, you've been too good to me. You've done so much for me. God, you are a mortgage-paying God. When I didn't have the money, God, you put the money in my bank account the next day. God, you are a mortgage-paying God. You are a mind regulator. You are a mind regulating God. God, when I almost lost my mind, God, you regulated it. You brought me back to perfect peace because I have the mind of Christ. God, you are. That's what that means when you sing unto the Lord a new song. It's not a song you heard before. Sing unto the Lord a new song. Wait on the Lord. No, no, no. You can sing that. But God wants you to sing from your experience. You got some history with God. So you can sing to him with some experience. God, I remember what you've done for me. Oh, God, I remember what you've done. I, I won't forget what you've done for me. Verse 2 says, sing unto the Lord. Bless his name. Show forth his salvation from day to day. You have a responsibility to show forth his salvation from day to day. That's why you can't walk around here just frowning all the time. Smile. When people look at you, smile. Even if they don't smile back, it's going to be awkward. Hey, how you doing? They, 
Smile back. Hey, how you doing? Hey. Quick story. I remember I first started uh, interning at JCI. And I, man, I was just so excited. You know, I'm a young college grad. I graduated uh, really, really early. So, I, you know, I'm 20 years old at the time. And, man, I was just so happy to be making that $18 an hour. Boy, I was, man, I was, hey, how you, I'm smiling, waving at everybody. And these, these folks that have been working there for 30 years looking at me like, why are you so happy? <laughs> well, you don't know what God did for me, boy. I got a job right out of college. Smile. Somebody say smile. You look so much better when you, y'all catch that on the way home. Verse 3 says, declare his glory among the heathen, his wonders among all people. Verse 4, for the Lord is great and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. That doesn't mean you scared. That means you reverence him. It is a reverence for God. Oh, God, we reverence you in this place. We, we acknowledge your presence in this place. God, you, you are welcome here. We, we honor you in this place. Father, we lift up your name. We make your name greater. That's worship. For all the gods of the nations are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Honor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. Give unto the Lord, O ye kindreds of the people. Give unto the Lord glory and strength. You got to give God your strength. When you praise and you worship, sometimes you got to get ugly because you got to give him some strength. You got to give him some strength. That miracle that he provided for you, you owe him some strength. Verse 8, give unto the Lord the glory that is what? Due unto his name. When something is due, it's due. I mean, it's just pretty simple. Like, like when your bills are due, there's like, there's no compromise. There's no, hey, so listen, man, let me tell you about what's going on in my life right now. No, no, no. It's due. It's due. When... When your bills are due, they're due. I don't really know how to make it more plain than that. They're due. They want it. It's owed to them. There it is. It's owed to God. Glory is owed to God. And then it says, bring an offering and come into his courts. Oh, worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. My second point is God dwells in our worship. God dwells in our worship. When worship and praise is, is high and you begin to feel something, something comes over you. You look around, did they turn the AZ on? The hairs begin to stand up on your, on your arms and you get what they call goosebumps. That's, that's God. That is his presence filling the room, filling your car, filling your house, filling your room, wherever it is that you may be. That is his presence because Psalm 22 verse 3 says that God inhabits the praises of his people. That means inhabit means 
to live in, to reside in, to occupy a or populate some kind of space that God dwells in our worship. He lives in our worship. Anytime you are lacking the presence of God, you are lacking praise. If the presence of God is not in your house, you don't praise. You don't worship. If your children have nightmares and being held by, by demons, incubus and succubus, and they have sleep paralysis, and they've been watching things, they've been allowing things to enter their atmosphere, there is a lack of prayer and worship in your household. Some stuff y'all just got to cut off. I was a big Stranger Things fan. Me and my wife, we tried, we tried to watch the new one. We late to the party. Listen, I'm, 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 I got bills that are due. I can't be sitting watching Netflix all the time. She was like, man, you know, let's watch something. Because my wife hits me with this. Are you, are you watching that? If I'm watching golf or something, for something real boring, she don't want to watch it. You know, are you watching this? What you want to watch, man? I was like, well, we ain't watched Stranger Things yet. Let me, let's just, let's, let's check it out. It, they didn't went full demonic. I mean, full. First, they like crept into the demonic. But some of that stuff is real. Anyways, now they just went full demon, full horror. And we watched the first episode. We said, yep, yeah, well, that was good. We won't be watching that no more. Because I got to protect my house. I got to protect my house because I believe in the supernatural. I believe in the spirit realm. Some of y'all don't. It's just a movie. That's why your kids are jacked up. That's why they're addicted to pornography. That's why they believe they're the opposite sex of what God has called them to be. Because we've let demons and, and witches and warlocks indoctrinate our children. And we just think, oh, they just, they just got the iPad. They watch the iPad all day. Every time they cry, you give them the iPad. Who's teaching them? Bible says train up a child. The iPad's training these generation now. They know how to do stuff. You'd, you'd put the parental controls on, they didn't turn them off. Because you ain't that bright with that, with that iPad. You just, you're not. They didn't crack the code. Your code can't be zero, 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 zero. Like, come on, that's dumb. Let's try this out. I'm only six months old. Oh, look. A whole new world. You got to take back your house. You got to take back your children. You got to take back your spouse. We have let so many other things indoctrinate us and live in spaces that God has called us to live in because we don't know how to praise and worship. So number two is God dwells in our worship. Number three, somebody say number three. Worship confuses the enemy. Worship confuses the enemy. I remember um, in my, you know, pastoral uh, career, there was a period in time where I didn't really believe that was biblical because I just used to hear it so much. And as I was studying for this word, God just kept saying it. Praise will confuse the enemy. And I just I started hearing the song. Praise will confuse the enemy. So I started singing. I started jumping. I started dancing. People were laughing. 
They knew my problems. They knew my pain. But I knew God would take them away. And I was like, oh, okay, let me see if that's in the Bible. And God took me to 2 Chronicles. 2 Chronicles chapter 20. Y'all mind if we read some Bible? 2 Chronicles chapter 20. Uh, and it really starts at the beginning of chapter 20, but I'm going to read in verse 19. Actually, we at church might as well give you all the entire thing. Are you ready? Second Chronicles chapter 20, verse 1, the Bible says, And it happened after this that the people of Moab with the people of Ammon and others with them besides the Ammonites came to battle against Jehoshaphat. Somebody say Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat. I wonder if he was overweight or not. I don't know. Um, verse number two. Then some came and told Jehoshaphat, saying, A great multitude is coming against you from beyond the sea, from Syria. And they are in Haz uh, Hazazon, Tamar. And Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to what? Seek the Lord. That's lesson number one right there in this particular text. When you hear that things are beginning to come against you, people are scheming and planning and plotting to devise a plan to take you down, to, to war against you. What you need to do is seek the Lord. The NLT says he went to go pray and fast. Seek the Lord, and the Bible says, and proclaimed, this is what he did. He proclaimed a fast throughout all of Judah. Now, Jehoshaphat was the king of Judah. And he proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. So Judah gathered together to ask help from the Lord, and from all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. What would happen if cities came together to seek the Lord and fast? What kind of thing could we accomplish? The Bible says, Then Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court and said, O Lord of our fathers, are you not God in heaven? And do you not rule over all the kingdoms of the nations? And in your hand is there not power and might? so that no one is able to withstand you. These are the kind of prayers we got to start praying to God. We come to God, God, I just can't believe it. God, I can't take it no more. We got to come to God like, God, are you not God? Are you not the one who holds the world in your hands? Are you not the one who is in control of the nations? Are you not the one who's in control of the stock market? Who's in control of my life? Who has my life in the palm of your hand? Are you not God? These are the kind of questions you, you should be asking. Are you not God who drove out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and gave it to the descendants of Abraham, your friend forever? And they dwell in it. And they built you a sanctuary in it. We built a nice church in your name saying if disaster comes upon us, sword, judgment, pestilence or famine we will stand before this temple and in your presence for your name is in this temple 
and cry out to you in our affliction and you will hear and save. And now here are the people of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir who you would not let Israel invade when they came out of the land of Egypt. But they turned from them and they did not destroy them. Here they are, rewarding us by coming to throw us out of your possession, which you have given us to inherit. When God gives you something, don't you know he's going to make sure you can sustain it? When God says something is yours, don't you know that he's going to make sure that he does everything in his power to ensure that it is yours for generations and generations? God doesn't just bless one generation. God is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and who? Jacob. God is a generational God. So when he blesses, it's not just for you. It's not just, it's not just for you. He says, our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power against this great multitude that is coming against us. You also got to recognize you can't fight your own battles. Oh, my God. It's about to get good to me. I feel like preaching. Nor do we know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. Verse 13 says, now all Judah with their little ones, their wives and their children stood before the Lord. Then the spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, the son of Benaniah, the son of Jael, the son of Madaniah, a Levite of the sons of Asaph, in the midst of the assembly. Now, Asaph was a worshiper. Go back and read that. In the midst of the assembly. And he said, listen. He's prophesying. Listen, all you of Judah. And you inhabitants of Jerusalem and you King Jehoshaphat, thus says the Lord to you, do not be afraid nor dismayed because of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours, it's God's. Turn to your neighbor and say, neighbor, I don't know what you've been fighting, but the battle is not yours, it's God's. <laughs> I, I give you about five seconds to just rejoice right there. For anybody that thinks that they're fighting on their own, for anybody that thinks that this fight is just theirs, listen, I came to tell any devil, any demon, any warlock, any witch, if you're trying to come against me, if you're trying to come against the anointing on my life, if you're trying to get the, come against the power of God that is on my life, I came to let you know you ain't got to worry about me because it's above me now. You got to worry about God because the battle is not mine, it's his. This battle's not yours, it's God's. And they begin to buck and shout. No, that's not what it said. Verse 16 says, now tomorrow, go down against them. They will surely come up by the ascent of Ziz. And you will find them at the end of the brook before the wilderness of Jeruel. You will not need... <laughs> See if I can get it out this time. Verse 17 says, you will not need to fight in this battle. I'm going to read that one more time. I don't think y'all heard me. It says, you will not need to fight in this battle. So it says, position yourselves, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord who is with you, O Judah and Jerusalem. 
you don't need to fight. You don't even need to fight in this next season. I'm prophesying to you, somebody right now in this next season, you're not going to have to fight no more. You're not going to have to get ugly no more. The Bible says you're just going to have to stand still. So you can go ahead and get them braids. They ain't going to pull them out this time. Get your braids, girl. Get your hair cut. Get your beard beijinged up. You're just going to have to stand still. Stand still. Do not fear or be dismayed. Tomorrow, go out against them. For the Lord is with you. For the Lord is with you. It's about to get good. Verse 18, and, and it says, And Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground. Now, I told you earlier, now that's worship. He bowed his head with his face to the ground. And all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem bowed before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. We're talking about an entire city. Bow before the Lord and they begin to worship the Lord. Verse 19. Then the Levites of the children of the Kohathites and the children of the Korahites stood up to praise the Lord God of Israel with voices loud and high. Verse 20, so they rose early in the morning and went out into the wilderness of Tekoa. And as they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, hear me, O Judah, and you inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God and you shall be established. Believe his prophets and you shall prosper. And when he had consulted with the people, he appointed those who should sing. He said, let me get my praise team together. Some of y'all can't sing, so I got to get my praise team together, folks that know how to worship God on key. Amen. So he appointed those who should sing to the Lord and who should praise the beauty of holiness as they went out before the army. And the Bible says, and they were saying, praise the Lord for his mercy endures forever. Now, when they begin to sing and praise... Now, when they began to sing and praise, now when they began to sing and praise, the Lord, is it up there? The, the, the Lord, I got this from Bishop, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, set an ambush against the men of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir who had come against Judah so they were routed. God's word to the nation says so they were confused. And when they began to sing and praise God their enemies got confused. The enemies got confused. And they were defeated. How did they get defeated? Well, the enemies got so confused. God jacked them up so tough, they start killing each other. <laughs> Worship will confuse your enemy. Worship will cause the enemy to, like, all of a sudden I got this tingly feeling that I just need to hurt my teammate. 
I know we came here to kill them. Hey, man, let me talk to you. God began to cause them to kill each other. The people that had decided that they was going to raise up on the people of God. They was going to sneak up on the people of God. They didn't know that that God had already given them provision for what they were supposed to do next. When you begin to realize that your praise and your worship will confuse the enemy, you don't have to have people pump and prime you to praise. You don't have to have people pump and prime you to worship because you know all I got to do, oh, I'm going through something right now, let me begin to praise. God, uh, I'm about to praise because, because I know that I'm not going to fight this battle like the Bible says, but my worship alone is a weapon. My, my praise alone is a weapon. My, my prayer life alone is a weapon. I don't even have to fight. I just got to worship. I don't have to fight. I just got to praise. I don't have to fight. I just got to pray. My worship is a weapon. The Bible says, so when Judah came to a place overlooking the wilderness, they looked toward the multitude And all they saw was dead bodies falling to the earth and no one had escaped. All the tribes that had decided that they was going to come and come to war against Jehoshaphat and, and the descendants of Judah, they were all dead. They were all dead. And then, as you know, in this time, if it's custom, when you win a battle, you go and you take the spoils from, from the people that you defeated. It's like the king would go cut the train of the other king and add it to his. They didn't call it a train. It was just a long road, but it would, it would become a train. That's why the Bible says, uh, uh, I saw the Lord high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. God don't lose. That's why you got to let God fight your battles because he don't lose. You, you walking around here with spiritual black eyes, your leg, you walking with a limp and you still got the limp because you've been trying to fight your battles instead of allowing the one who's never lost to fight your battles. So they went to take away the spoil and they found among them an abundance, somebody say abundance, abundance of valuables on these dead bodies. Precious jewelry, which they stripped off for themselves, more than they could carry away. And they were there three days. They were there three days. Somebody say three days. Three days days gathering the spoil because there was so much. Worship will confuse your enemies. Worship will confuse your enemies, cause them to die, and then God will bless you with their stuff. I'll say that again. Worship will cause you to confuse your enemies. God defeat them, and then God allows you to take their stuff, all their valuables. If it's stuff you want, the Bible says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all of these things. Things are, I mean, that's secondary. That's like, uh, God says, if you want it, go, go get it. They dead now. Go get the spoils. So that's my point number three. My last point, Ben, you can come. My last point is worship doesn't only change you. Worship changes everyone around you. Worship changes everyone around you. It's kind of like laughter for me when I was in school. I'll just talk about myself. I won't talk about anybody else. I know mom is so glad these days are over. I would get in trouble 
a lot in school. Not because I was bad, because I wasn't. I was just really, I was really, 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 really good kid. Had the fear and admonition of the Lord. I spoke in tongues every morning. <laughs> Never said a cuss word. I just, <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> Deacon Tony, you laughing too hard. Um, I would get in trouble because my friends would do goofy stuff that would cause me to laugh. Now, I had one friend in particular, when, when he started laughing, like everybody's gonna start laughing because he just had one of those contagious laughs. And so I would get in trouble by way of association. Message, I would get in trouble by way of association. I'm just laughing. But I, I get this from mom, I don't know why she, she don't realize this. I, once I start laughing, I'm going to cry laughing. Like, it's, it's going to get uncontrollable. It's going to get ridiculous. Mom is the same way. I, yes, we've been in many healing and deliverance services where we've seen some very strange things. And my mom and my late great-grandmother, Josie B. Moore, I mean, they was underneath the pews crying laughing. So I get this from her, okay? And the teachers would call him like, man, Cameron, he's such a good kid. He has such great potential. But, but ah, he just... I just don't know what it is. He just, he just needs to tap into this. Because the, the individuals that I would hang around, their laugh would be contagious. Their behavior would become contagious. Worship is similar. It's contagious. When you see somebody crying out to God, you see somebody worshiping, you see somebody dancing, you see somebody jumping and shouting, you may not understand, but man, something may hit you and you're like, next thing you know, you're jumping. You're jumping higher than them. Next thing you know, you're crying. You're crying harder than them. Next thing you know, the Spirit of the Lord has come upon you, and you're saying things that you never said before in your life. That's what happens when we worship. Acts chapter 16, something amazing happened. I talked about it at the end of service last Sunday. Some of you maybe have missed it, but worship doesn't just change you. It changes those around you. It first started with a young lady by the name of Lydia. Lydia was, she came to know who God was. She was baptized in Philippi, and man, Lydia just, she became on fire for the Lord. And then she came across these young men by the name of Paul and Silas. The Bible says in Acts chapter 16, verse 16, now, now it happened, as we went to prayer, as we went to prayer, that a certain slave girl possessed with the spirit of divination, a witch, met us, who brought her master's much profit by fortune telling. This girl followed Paul and us and cried out, saying, these men are the servants of the Most High God. That's how you know demons know the presence of God. Devils know the presence of God. They know the word of God. So when you don't have power, some demons may, you want me to do what? You don't even worship, you don't even pray. I think I'll stay here a little while longer. She said, these men are the servants of the most high God who proclaim to us the way of salvation. And the Bible says, and she did this for many days. Paul, Paul is like some of y'all, Paul got fed up. The Bible says it. 
and Paul was greatly annoyed. And he turned and said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And the demon came out that very hour. But when her master saw that their hope of profit was gone, they didn't like that. They seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to the authorities. And they brought them to the magistrates and said, these men, being Jews, cause great trouble in our city and they teach customs which are not lawful for us. Meaning, they cost me some money and y'all got to do something about these cats. Being Romans to receive or observe. Verse 22. Then the multitude rose up against them and the magistrates tore off their clothes and commanded them to be beaten with rods. Now Paul and Silas was on their way to prayer. Paul got ticked off, casted out a demon. Now they're getting beat with their clothes off. Sound like a down south whooping. <laughs> Sound like a down south whooping. And they were laid with many stripes on them and then threw them into prison. All they were trying to do was go to prayer and now they're getting beat and then thrown into prison. And then it says, they commanded the jailer to keep them securely. Having received such a charge, he put them into the inner prison. They was in solitary confinement. And fastened their feet in the stocks. Not only did they get thrown in jail, they were bound up while in jail. Like, how much worse can this day get? Somebody say, but at midnight. Somebody say that one more time with authority. Say, but at midnight. Interesting. Midnight is an interesting time. Midnight is typically the darkest portion of our day. Midnight. The darkest time of the day. It, it becomes, or it, it's right before the start of a new day. So at midnight, you're, at, you're coming to the end of one day, and you're about to transition into the next day, but you're not there yet. Somebody say, but at midnight. At their darkest point of the day. Bible says, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. They were praying and singing hymns to God. Somebody say they were worshiping. And the prisoners were listening to them. So they weren't just worshiping quietly to themselves. Oh God, you're going to have to get me out of this. Oh God, Lord, Lord, please help me. Help me, help me, please, Lord. Lord, help me, help me. No, no, no. They were, they were praising and they were singing hymns unto God. I love you, Jesus. I worship and adore you. Just want to tell you. Lord, I love you more than anything. In the middle of the jail, they begin to worship and say, I love you, Jesus. I worship and adore you. Just want to tell you, Lord, I love you more than 
everything. They began to pray and they were worshiping. See, God, I trust you. Uh, there is no God like you. There, there is no one else above you in all the earth. There's no other name that is greater than the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. You are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. God, we honor you in this place. God, we reverence you in this place. My feet may be bound. My ankles may be locked up. My hands may be tied. But God, I lift my voice in this place and I begin to magnify your name. I begin to make your name great in my circumstance, in my situation. God, I don't care what it looks like for me. I know what it is for me. But God, you're greater father you're greater there's nobody greater than you there's nobody more awesome than you I make my circumstance small and I make your name great because God I love you father I adore you there's no one else like you only you can do what you've done for me you do miracles you do miracles so great there is no one else like you God I've seen miracles on miracles God if you don't get me out of this one if you never do another thing for me God you've already done enough so Father, I love you. Father, I magnify you. I lift your name up in this place. I give you all the glory. I give you all the praise because it's not about me. God, I'm here to worship you because I understand that my worship is a weapon. They were praying and singing hymns to God out loud and the prisoners were listening to them and somebody say, suddenly... And suddenly there was a great earthquake. Suddenly something began to break. The earth began to shake. The earth began to move. The earth began to groan for the manifestation of the true sons of God. And the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately, somebody say immediately. All the doors were open and everyone's bands were loosed. I don't know who I'm talking to but your worship doesn't just change you your worship changes people around you your worship will cause other people to be freed from things that they were locked up to for years your worship will cause other people who are addicted to drugs who are addicted to sex who are addicted to pornography who are addicted to all kinds of things that were causing them to lose and the spirit will cause them to be loosed your worship is a weapon your worship is a weapon you got to handle it with care you got to understand you already got your concealed carry your worship is a weapon you you are licensed to carry your your weapon on you I keep that thing on me all the time because you never know when you might have to get on your knees and say God I love you God I adore you God I worship you I know I'm at the basketball court but God there's no one like you because my worship is a weapon when I need peace my worship is a weapon when I need joy my worship is a weapon when all hell is breaking through breaking out in my life my worship is a weapon when I have anxiety I can worship when I'm feeling depressed I begin to worship when I'm losing family members I begin to worship when I'm feel sick in my body I begin to worship because my worship is a weapon and immediately all the doors were opened and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's bands were loosed verse 27 And the keeper of the prison, somebody say, the keeper of the prison. 
the one who was commanded, now you, you put them in the backpack. The Bible calls him the Philippian jailer. He was from Philippi. He is looking around like, what in the world is going on? He may have felt the presence of God over his life. He may have felt the presence of God overtake him. And the, the keeper of the prison woke up out of his sleep. And seeing the prison doors were open, he drew out his sword. Oh my God, they gonna kill me. Oh my goodness. Can you imagine? Have you seen those shows? Those maximum prison, maximum security. And some one of them does something crazy. And they're like, oh, you, you know we got to retaliate. And all the guards go on high alert. He drew out his weapon. He drew out his sword. And he was about to kill himself. Because he had supposed that the prisoners had left. But Paul, Paul cried with a loud voice saying, do thyself no harm, for we all here. We ain't going nowhere. We all right here. I know my chains have been loose. I know my shackles have been broken. He broke the shackles off my feet so I can dance. I know all of the things have been broken. But then he called for a light and he sprang in. The Bible says he came in trembling and he fell down before Paul and Silas. Your worship doesn't just change you. It changes people around you. And he brought them out. And he said, sirs, you don't, you don't give prisoners respect. But he recognized there's something different on their life. He said, sirs, what must I do? to be saved what must I do to be saved and so they said believe on the Lord Jesus Christ last week was Lord I believe but help my unbelief all you have to do is believe believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved watch this you and your house then they spoke the word of the Lord to him. They're ministering in prison. And to all who were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night. And now the Philippian jailer who was supposed to keep them locked up. He was supposed to keep them secluded. Who was supposed to ensure that nothing good happened to them. He took them and he washed their stripes. He washed the stripes of the gentleman who had just been beaten by his team. He washed their wounds. And the Bible says, and he was baptized. He and all of his family. King James Version says, and straightway, straightway, His family was saved. Stand to your feet. You got to understand that your worship is more powerful than you think. Your worship 
is more valuable than you think. Your worship is more dangerous than you think. Your worship is a weapon. Your worship is a powerful tool that God has given us the ability to do effortlessly. But you've got to use some of your strength in order for God to intervene on your behalf. When you worship, you open up portals in the spirit realm for God to come down and fight your battles. That's why the song says, this is how I fight my battles. I lift my hands in worship. I, I open up my mouth and I begin to magnify the Lord. I begin to make his name greater than my problems. I begin to make his name greater than my circumstances. I begin to shift my focus from my problems to the God who has all the answers. Then when I begin to worship, I begin to praise, I begin to shift the atmosphere around me because he inhabits the praises of his people. Number three, your worship will confuse your enemies. Never forget it. Not another day in your life that your worship has the ability to fight battles you won't even have to get sweaty for. And lastly, worship doesn't only change you, but it changes those around you. Every head bow, every eye closed, every hand lifted. I want to give you about 30 seconds use your weapon I want to give you time to practice with your weapon so in this moment I just want us to take some time to worship God in the beauty of holiness the splendor of his majesty God you are great and greatly to be praised. Father, there is no one else like you. I will sing unto the Lord a new song in all the earth. I will sing unto the Lord and bless his holy name. I will declare his glory among the heathen. I will declare his wonders among all people. God, you are great and greatly to be praised. You are feared and reverenced above all other gods. You are the King of kings and the Lord of lords, for there is no one else like you, God. You created the heavens and the earth. My life, my world is in your hands. Father, I will bless your name in this place. I will bless your name in this place. I'll make a joyful noise. I'll lift up my voice. I'll lift up my hands. I, I surrender all to you. I may need to step into the aisle. I may need to bow down before the king. I may need to reverence that you are the master. You are the master builder. You are the master creator. You are the potter. We are the clay. Father, my life is in your hands. My world was framed by the palm of your hands. By your words, my worlds were framed. I was created in the image and likeness of God. I was created to worship you, God. I will bless thee, O oh Lord.
The atmosphere is shifting. The atmosphere will begin to change once you recognize the power of your weapon. Father, we love you in this place. Father, we adore you in this place. God, there is no one else like you, God. We bless your name, Jesus. We bless your name, Jesus. We call you to occupy every space in our heart, every space in our mind, every space in our house. When we are driving our vehicles on our way to work, God, we ask you to overtake our vehicles. God, we ask you to overtake our vehicles, our automobiles. We ask you to overtake our rooms. We ask you to overtake our prayer closets. We ask you to overtake our hearts and our minds. Fill us again. Fill us again. Fill us again. Fill us with your spirit, Jesus. Fill us with your power, Lord. Fill us with your anointing. Fill us with more grace. Fill us with more peace. Fill us with more joy. Fill us with more of your anointing. Fill us with more patience. Fill us with more virtue. Fill us with your anointing. Father, we need you. We can't live without you. We can't live without you, Jesus. It is in you that I live, move, and have my being. God, I'm nothing without you. But just like you told the Father, all things are possible to the one who believes. God, I believe. God, I believe that you can handle every circumstance, every situation that I've gotten myself into up until this point. So, Father, now I come to the end of myself and I surrender all. I surrender my life. I surrender my will. I surrender my emotions. I surrender my decisions. I surrender my ways. I surrender my plans. I surrender my strategies. I surrender my schemes because, God, nothing can come against you father i have many plans but it is your plan that that will take precedent in my life it's your plan that will take precedent in my life father we love you father we bless you father we adore you For the next five seconds, I want you to open up your mouth. And from the bottom of your belly, from the top of your lungs, I want you to give God a Shabbat praise. Hallelujah. Father, we love you. This is how we fight our battles. This is how. This is how we fight. This is how we fight. You've never lost a battle. 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 You've never lost a battle, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. At this time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, somebody got it. 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 I told you all it takes is for one person to begin to worship, truly worship God. You see how the atmosphere just shifted? I know you feel it. Father, you're welcome in this place. We don't want to move too quickly or too slowly for you, God. We make room for you. Father, we make room for you in this place. 
Father, we make room for you in this place. Father, we make room for you in this place. Father, we make room for you in this place. Have your way, have your way, have your way. For you hear the cries of your people. For you hear the cries of your people. For you know your people's voice. You are the God who hears. You are the God who dwells in the praises and in the worship of your people. So Father, we know that you hear our cry. Meet them at their point of need. Meet them wherever they are. Father, touch their heart, touch their life. Do what only you can do. Father, we know that you hear us when we pray. You hear us when we cry. You hear us when we sing. So Father, have your way in this place. Have your way in this place. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. With a heart of thanksgiving, I will bless thee, O Lord. With my hands lifted up, and my mouth filled with praise with a heart of thanksgiving i will bless if you know it sing with me with my hands lifted up oh with a heart of See, I will bless one more time with my hands lifted up. Father, we magnify you in my heart with a heart of I will bless. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I don't know, I just feel this in my spirit. I just feel this in my spirit that God inhabits the praises of his people. There is nothing too big for God. There's nothing too big for God. No problem, no circumstance, no situation, no doctor's report. No matter what they said to you, there is nothing too big for God. Dr. Miles Monroe said, many times, many of us don't worship because you, you forgot what he did for you. You open up your mouth and worship when you realize you didn't have money to pay for your gas, but somehow, some way, your gas got paid for. And it may sound, it may sound ridiculous to some people, but he's a gas paying God. Some people say that, that that's ridiculous. Well, he's never had to pay your gas for you, so it may be ridiculous to you, but it's a miracle to me. You have to be willing to let God take care of the of the little and the big stuff. We think it's our responsibility to handle the little stuff. No, God, I got this. We, 
How do we sound telling God, God, I got this? You didn't know how you were going to get school supplies for your child. But somehow, some way, somebody came to your house and said, I, you know, I, God just put it on my heart to drop this off for you. You left your wallet at home. You ain't had no money at your desk. And you just like, well, God, I, I guess I'm fasting today. Your colleague said, girl, I don't know why I bought two lunches today. Here you go. God, you're a provider. That may be small to some people, but it's big to me. God, you're a provider. Folks driving crazy on the highway, and the car in front of you was towed up, but you... God, you're a way maker. God, I don't, know, I don't know how I got out of that situation, but God, you made a way. Your bills were late. We talked about your bills being due. Somehow, some way, your mortgage got paid, your, your rent was paid. Miraculously, your landlord said, you know what? I know you've been going through a lot. Something just came over me, and I just took care of this month for you. Am I talking to anybody in? You know you, you did right. You was a good steward over your 90%. You gave your 10%, and you're like, okay, God. <laughs> I got to figure out how I'm going to make it the rest of this week. I ain't got no bread to make no syrup sandwiches. I can't make, <laughs> I can't make the ghetto bologna sandwiches I used to make. So, God, you're going to have to. And somebody put some money in your hand. Somebody just, they just sneaked some money in your hand. You thought you was getting a handshake. God was blessing you. I want to pray for anyone that is in this room that may be backslidden or you're not saved, I'm going to pray for you. If you don't mind, I'd ask you to come to the altar to make an open display of an inward decision. It is an act of worship when you decide to leave where you are and take a step of faith. It is taking a step of faith. We're not going to laugh at you. We're, nobody's going to point the finger. Nobody's going to say, oh, I can't believe that they, they at the altar again. Listen, come as much as you need. The Bible says come boldly to the throne of grace to get the mercy and grace. Mercy and grace. Well, thank you for joining us. I also want to thank you in advance for clicking on the link support our ministry. Your giving is what moves ministry forward and ministry must move forward. You can also visit us online at cffczion.org for more information. If you were blessed by this word, please subscribe and share this podcast with your friends and family. God bless you.